What if I told you that many Christians completely underestimate their enemy, Hasatan and his kingdom of darkness? If we are in the light and live in the light, we know that we are victors in Christ. And regarding who the victor is, there is no question and we have nothing to worry about. However, we must understand that our enemy is a deceiver, that there is an actual kingdom of darkness actively working around the clock in hopes to deceive us, in hopes for us to become its tool instead of us becoming an instrument in our father and heaven's hands. You see, we read in the book of Ephesians about this and it says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Ephesians 6, 12. The enemy and his kingdom is strategically working in hopes to convince the world that what is evil is actually good for the world to do things that are evil, to be influenced by the evil and yet to label it as something that they're doing that's actually good. But believers, typically at least, can recognize and discern this tactic. They're typically able to recognize evil for being evil. And so they do not confuse it to be good. But we would be deceived to think that that's the only thing that the enemy tries to do when he realizes that he cannot convince us to call evil good. He will try and have us convinced that what that what is actually good is evil for us to be confused by the evil around us in the world so much that we cannot even discern when God is actually doing something. So in this teaching, I want to talk to you about these two tactics of the enemy. But first, let's look at his most classic deception to call what is evil good. And the main means by which he does this is by naturalization. Because we are living in this world, he hopes to surround us with things that are evil, so much so that we actually end up believing that they are good and natural to have around. Just the other day, I witnessed someone hanging ghosts on their tree in celebration of Halloween here in America. The lady brought her child and she let the little child touch it and feel it and and play with it. And it made me think about what that really represents. See, what we can easily do is we are so surrounded with what is evil, even if we're Christians and believers, that we start thinking, well, this is all right. And we start hanging evil on our trees and we start bringing our kids to to play with it, to see, to touch it. To, we, we even now have told our kids to dress up like evil, to play as if they are the evil, to imitate the evil heroes and villains that they have seen in Hollywood and in, in TV and in the media, which have naturalized us because see, ultimately all of these entertainments 
have come to teach us what should be normal to us. And so when we are confronted with the temptation to include it in our lives, we see nothing wrong with it anymore because we have no more discernment because we have allowed the world to teach us about what good and evil is. And so we take what is evil and we call it good. We say the kids are just having fun. 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? As a South African who grew up, was born in South Africa, lived there my whole life and moved to the US just a few years ago, this was a huge shock to me, witnessing all of these churches and Christians going and and dressing up like evil, decorating their houses like they were haunted houses and and putting statues of ghosts and all kinds of weird demonic things in their yards. But see, I come from a country that has not been as westernized. A people group who who still recognize that there is a spiritual realm. But in, in, in the US, we play with these things and we say to ourselves, they're not real. Right. And and but what we fail to understand is what we are playing with is symbolic of something that is real, that if you're a Christian, your Bible calls it real. If you're a believer in Yeshua, he says that there is a Satan, there are demons and they're real and they're after your life and they're after the lives of your children and their children's children. But the father is out to bless you and your children's children. And the question is going to be is whom will you serve? Whom will you fellowship and partner with? And perhaps if we really believe the Bible for what it says, that there is a spiritual realm, that there is demonic entities, that the things we are celebrating actually exist in the spiritual realm. Why don't we decorate our yards with things that are good? The things that are holy and righteous, the things that are pure, the things that the book of Philippians commands us to think on continuously. See, brothers and sisters, perhaps if we even realize that they are as real as they actually are, we would be more cautious of putting them on our yards, of opening doors and letting our kids play with them. And then we're shocked years later when our kid departs from the faith because they're being influenced and listening to the voice of demons speaking to their hearts. But we have introduced them to the demon hanging on our tree. So why could we be shocked by such a thing? We are commanded to be warriors against evil when we are part of God's kingdom. When Yeshua was on earth, he was warring against Satan's plans. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. That's what the scriptures say. And so if we are going to do that, we must be sure that we war against our enemy, not play with him. We need to make sure that we, our children, are educated about the reality of this and not some fairy tale about these things. The reality of that there are demons, the reality of there is a Satan. And he hopes to deceive you. But we have a God who is so much more powerful and loving and strong. 
and who has come to give you, my son, my daughter, power over all the works of the devil. He has come to give you authority over demons and you have nothing to be scared of. You see, Hollywood teaches you be scared, be scared. That's what demons want to teach you. Be scared of us. We have a lot of power over you. That's the biggest lie there's ever been if you're in Christ. Yes, if you're not in him, it's true. You better be scared. But if you're in him, they're scared of you. And that's why they try and lie about who they are, because they know that if you knew your authority, if your son, your daughter, your child knew who they were in the father, then they would be sent running. Explain to our children why these things are wrong. If they're surrounded by the world, why is it wrong to participate in the evil the world participates in? Because there is a truth behind it. See, it's not just about bubbling our kids into this bubble and saying that they're not allowed to go outside of this bubble without actually making them have a conscious decision to make themselves about why they do not want to partake in what the world does. But see, they can only make that decision if you give them the information they need. They need to understand why there is restrictions if restrictions are placed before them so that they can for themselves in their own heart stand up for the Lord and what is good so that when they exit your bubble and they inevitably will when they grow up, they will not rebel, but they will be understanding what kingdom they serve because you've always been there to guide them on that path, but not just by restriction because that is not enough. You have to actually educate them in righteousness. You have to actually give, show them the authority that God has given them over the enemy. You have to actually make sure that a relationship with the father is fostered in their life. And so when this happens and they leave your house, they leave equipped, not just as someone who was in a bubble their whole life, who can now explore all the darkness the world has to offer. And so ultimately what we then need to do is Make sure for our kids that we do not just restrict them from something, but naturalize something else that is good instead of what is evil. Let them if they if they see their friends getting candy, make sure that on the feast of Sukkot or wherever you want, you give them candy so they can have something to look forward to so that a positive association is created. That it's not just that father or mother is trying to take things that are fun away from me, but that there is an understanding that there is a righteousness, there is a Lord's path and there is still fun to be had in the father's ways. There is another side of this whole thing. Not only is the enemy out to deceive the world, to have it call that which is evil good, but he is out to have us even call what is good evil. And this is the fine line that we ought to walk. See, we often look at what the pagans do and hope to learn from what they're doing to discern what is evil. But why would you ask evil to help you dis to discern what is evil? How will you let evil become your teacher? See, when we have people who are who are ex pagans, right, who are new to the faith, right, who are now following Yeshua, oftentimes their struggle and they will tell you this. Oftentimes their struggle is they're struggling to discern. They're struggling to discern what is now godly and what is now pagan. Why? Because their whole framework of discernment has only been an education from the side of paganism. 
And so when that is the only framework that they judge by, it's really hard to judge rightly. Because just think about it. I grew up, again, I grew up in South Africa. Where I come from, there's witch doctors. We call them Sangomas, right? And they, you can go to a witch doctor. This is very common. People go to them all the time for as a doctor to get healing, to get better from illness and such. But this witch doctor would actually do spiritual things to treat these issues. They would consult mediums and demons and ancestors in hope to channel energy and help their clients. See, at the end of the day, we see that there is a form of a gift of healing happening there. And, and of course, it's empowered by the kingdom of darkness. Don't get me wrong. But in, the, in God's kingdom, there exists a thing that is similar looking because Yeshua went around and healed people. Yeshua went around and by, by the spiritual power of the Holy Spirit, he actually had the authentic healing power of God and the Father's love come to set people free. We have people who are in witchcraft who do things like speak in tongues. We, you may have heard about this before, demonic tongues, right? And then we can easily look at that. And, and then when we see the authentic, we can say, well, that is just like this. So it must be evil. Or we can go to a medium or, or something and, and, and hope that this tarot card reader will tell us about our future like they do in paganism. But in the Father's kingdom, there is an authentic, there is a gift of prophecy, there is a gift of words of knowledge, where the Holy Spirit can actually do something for the glory of God's kingdom. So we see that just because there is a counterfeit occurring in the kingdom of darkness, that does not mean that there isn't an authentic reality of what God wants to do. You see, the enemy is hoping to cause confusion in order for you to call what is good evil. For you to be confused because this is what Pharaoh did. Pharaoh's magicians, what did they do? They did sorceries. They imitated the works of God with the snake when Moses came. But Moses' snake ate theirs. Or another thing can happen is you can go and to a church, right? And, and you can see people abuse spiritual gifts in manners that are not upright. And you can even get hurt by that. And because you witness abuse, maybe you've even witnessed a counterfeit or a fake or something of that nature. Then you can take all of that experience and say and judge what is good, the authentic, what God actually desires to do in and through you and other people. And you can judge that as being evil because of what you experience. I mean, and, and even in another way, I remember there was once where, you know, I remember someone said that the tree of life is evil. But the tree of life came from the garden. God created it. So yes, we have pagans and new agers. They love the tree of life. They love nature. They love trees. And so they try and take that for their own and make it their own. But we know that the reality of it actually comes from the father because he is the one who promises to every believer they can partake in the tree of life. And I even had someone I remember one day, you know, ask me, Petey, why do you have these these honeycomb shapes behind you? when you sit at your uh, live streams, right? Because I have these honeycomb lights. 
And it's it's a pagan symbol, they say. The pagans love that symbol, that, that honeycomb shape. But ultimately, what does honey represent? Honey is from the Father. He created it. And he even and it's full and it's all over the Bible, right? God is always speaking about his word as being like honey. That's why we have the honeycomb shape. Because the word of God is like honey to his people. Hallelujah. So look, if a pagan likes the honeycomb shape, I couldn't care less because I know where it actually came from. So see, brothers and sisters, we have this balance, this line we have to walk where we might make sure that, yes, we make sure that what is evil, we call evil. We do not call evil good, but also we make sure that we don't go off the other end. And we start calling what is good evil because we let evil define evil for us. We ask the demons to define evil. We ask the pagans to define evil. No. How do you define it? How do you figure it out? It's very simple. If you get your information from somewhere that's not from the father, you will struggle to discern. If you have, if you look at someone who's, uh, uh, who works for the federal government, right? And they're trying to, they're working in counterfeits of bills, you know, of money. They will tell you that the way they get good is by studying the real thing. Because the more you study the real thing, then when a fake comes along, it's like that. You just recognize something is off about it. I don't need to study all the fakes to figure out what's fake. In fact, you'll make more mistakes that way. It's by knowing the real thing so well that when you hear another voice, when you hear something that is out of line with what you know is true, then the alarm bells go off and you know something's up. See, brothers and sisters, what you need to do if you want to grow in discernment is not by looking what the enemy does. See, this is the biggest mistake that many people have made is they think they need to study the enemy to figure out how to discern him. You know what? Just study the Father, study Yeshua, study the righteousness he's proclaimed, study him, learn to hear his voice and the stranger you will not follow. But you know where this all comes from is I remember years ago when I was young that I, I, I went, was in the stage, you know, I was in high school. I was I was a young kid and I had all of these things shown to me. You know, you guys have heard of it. They call it the Illuminati and we see all of these symbols. We see all of these clues left in the world. All of these things that they call false flag events, all of these things, like all of these, what we the world likes to call conspiracy theories, right? Some of them are not conspiracies, but true. I get all of that. However, here's the reality. Do you really think that the enemy is not looking to get you to chase him? Because as long as you're chasing him, you're not chasing Yeshua. As long as you're chasing the next clue, as long as you're chasing the next false flag event, as long as you're chasing what the enemy is going to do next, you're not looking at Yeshua. And the enemy is good with that. He's happy about that because all it does is leaves you afraid. It leaves you paranoid and it leaves you disarmed because it is only by keeping your eyes fixed on Yeshua that there is no more fear of the enemy in the world, that there is no more paranoia. And that there is actually to the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that comes from having the bread in your temple because your eyes are fixed on Yeshua. See, brothers and sisters, this is what he is calling us to in this season. He's calling us to look at him. He's calling us to be a light to the world. But we can't be a light to the 
world if we are not even having the light upon ourselves, looking upon the light. This is what he calls us to. And this is what will bring you freedom and your family freedom. This is what your children need. They don't need a mom and dad running after the next conspiracy theory. They need mom and dad running after Yeshua, because if they have mom and dad running after Yeshua, Satan can do what he wants, but he cannot touch the family. Satan can do what he wants in the world. Who cares? Because my God is my God. Brothers and sisters, this is how we discern. This is how we walk in freedom. This is how we are the light of the world. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would empower your people, God, to have their eyes fixed on you, renewed in strength, Lord, to have their spiritual lives renewed, their relationship with you renewed. Lord, I pray, Lord, we repent, God, for every time we've been distracted by the enemy, trying to drop clues, trying to lead us here and there to chase after him, to chase after what he's doing, to chase after what, he, what he's up to. Father, I pray, God, that you would put a discernment in your people to chase after the Father. I pray all this in the name of Yeshua. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I want to say a special thank you to our partners who've made this teaching and every other teaching this month possible.